and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Chelsea's free scoring form continues with a 6-0 win over Leicester City, ensuring that we have now fully caught up to Manchester United on a goal difference basis at least, having scored 13 goals since United last played. Some would say that was just a quirk of the fixture list, but I think it's just a great way of mentally unsettling them ahead of Sunday's FA Cup final. I'm Jesse, joined by Abdullah. We are going to talk you through both the Leicester win and do a little bit of the preview for that FA Cup final. How are you doing, Abdullah? I'm very tired, as I explained just before, <laughs> but it's a good time. Abdullah's got a new gym routine. And a new gym partner, so he's putting me through my paces, spin classes three times a week. It's, it's I'm dying, but I'm glad. It's, it's, it's a good way to go uh, into the gym and, and, and work out every week, uh, day. But more importantly, Chelsea won two really big victories back to back, just in time for an FA Cup final. So confidence and peaking at an all time high. What else can you ask for? Yeah, I mean, the cynical part of me goes, oh, everything's peaking at just the right time. And then I'm like, and losing to Manchester United will be the biggest possible low. But <laughs> none of that here today. None of that negative thoughts. No, no, We're going no. positive for Sunday. Um, let's start with some three-word match reviews. Lots of positivity in the three-word match reviews, which we love to see. Michael Doxey coming in with what goal difference? Question mark. Uh, Io says, we be balling. Megan says, run in Chelsea. Damien going with Wembley's dress rehearsal. I really, really hope so. That would be sick. Uh, Blue Kaz says, keep scoring bangers. Hayden Charpentier saying, Hayes' midweek masterclass. Abdullah, what are you going for for your three-year match review for this game? Took some inspiration from Daft Punk, so I went harder, better, stronger, just because... We have definitely had that before. I know we've but had. I'll I let know, you off. I'll let you off. I know. I'm so tired. I was like, I know we've had this at some point this season or last season, but I'm so, I'm just going to go with it because Harder's back and she's like balling again and she's better and she's stronger and she's just leading the line. Like imagine we had this Penela Harder to let Sam Kerr rest for the rest of the season. Like that would have been so good. Um, so yeah, Harder, better, stronger. Just in time for her to leave. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on, I think. Uh, I went with finally watching Chelsea because I don't know what team we watched for a large portion of the season, but it wasn't this one. And I'm going to conclude that this is the real one and there have been some strange imposters playing. And I'm glad we get to, to watch this one. Um, obviously, I was pissed that I wasn't at King's Meadow for the Everton match. And I missed them scoring those goals. So I was glad I got to see all the goals. I was like umming and ahhing, like, ah, oh, do I drive all the way to Kings Meadow to play Leicester? I was like, it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, so, yes, we are talking about the win over Leicester. 6-0 goals from Gura Ryson in the 8th minute. Aaron Cuthbert in the 18th. Penilla Harder in the 32nd and 42nd. Lauren James, finally, in the 56th. And Yelena Chankovic finishing off in the 93rd minute. Final kick of the game with an absolute screamer from the edge of the box. Abdullah, this was a pretty standard lineup, I guess. I think the more interesting aspects of it were actually going on on the bench in terms of who was back. But just run us through who uh, who Chelsea went with. 
Yeah, so Chelsea went with uh, AKB started in goal after after missing out against Everton. Uh, he had a back four of Yves Paris, Jess Carter, Magda Eriksson, and Neve Charles. And Jess Carter back at centre-back in a two, which was interesting to see. Um, you had Lloyd Poulton and Cuthbert reunited in midfield. And you had Lauren James and Gura Wright in flanking the number 10, Yelena Kankovic, uh, with her strike partner as Pranila Harder, which I thought was, like you said, a pretty standard lineup, but... I really liked it. I thought it was a really well balanced side, and just yeah, I just I don't think we've seen this com these combination of players on the pitch. So I think it's it's another first eleven that we probably fielded. But I actually really like the the, the partnerships that we had on the field, and 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 just yeah, it was just all round pretty pretty solid team. Yeah, I think it felt very technically astute as a team. I mean, obviously, all of Chelsea's players are technical to some extent but I think when you've got you know Chankovic playing next to Lauren James and the sort of fluidity and interchange you get from like some of those positions obviously harder as well being able to to drop back and go forward uh, I think that definitely was a contributing factor in some of the more fluid play that we saw that we maybe haven't seen from Chelsea at other points this season just to touch on the bench then um, players who came on uh, Sophie Ingle, Jesse Fleming, Johanna Rissing-Hannard, Alstu Abdelina, can't stop getting minutes at the moment, that gal, and Kadisha Buchanan, crucially, coming back from her injury. I think she'd been out for five and a half weeks, so that's a big boost. Also saw Katarina Svitkova return to the substitutes bench. Uh, basically the first time in forever, Abdullah, that we've had a full complement of subs. Like, I'd forgotten what our social media lineups looked like when they had so many names on the bottom. Right, I know. It was so interesting. I'm like, we have options on the bench that we can call on that's more than the usual five that we can predict. I mean, this is amazing. But it was, but I've been joking aside, it was really good to see uh, Katarina Svitkova back on the bench after, a, you know, pretty much an innocuous injury at first and then just kind of suddenly being announced that, oh, she's out for a while after having some surgery. And then, you know, just kind of disappearing before her career even kicked off at Chelsea. And then to have, you know, Buchanan back as an extra option at centre-back. And then you see you had Canarid and Fleming and Ingle and, you know, Mielder could have come on. Sam Kerr wasn't even used in this game. That's how that's how I, the, good the bench was and obviously the performances, performance was. So, yeah, no, I, I was really glad. And um, all this needs now is probably probably won't happen at this point. But, you know, just need a Millie Bright back in there. And then suddenly you're like, well, life is great. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Sam is she didn't warm up at all, so... I don't know how fit she is, but I didn't watch them warm up before the game. So someone who watched them, well, I went to the bar. Someone who watched them warm up before the game, tell me how Sam Kerr looked because I I didn't see that bit. But I thought it was interesting that it didn't really look like she was ever going to come on. Maybe maybe it'd have been different if we hadn't scored so many goals so early on. Uh, some of the stats were Chelsea had twenty two shots to Leicester's six. Leicester didn't have a single shot on target. We had eleven. 66 possessions there, 34%, 85% pass accuracy for us. That's the big thing that feels like it's really changed recently. We committed eight fouls, apparently. Uh, it didn't feel like that. Leicester committed six. When they came out for the second half, that was their vibe, was definitely like to start fouling. Um, although they were obviously already 4-0 down. Nine corners for us, zero for them. One offside for us, three for them. And expected goals of 3.4 to their 0 0.4. Uh, Abdullah, I... Don't really know what to say. Like, these are just stats. Like, they've been our stats for a number of these recent games. It's just, they're just comprehensive. 
really, aren't they? Like in every area. Oh yeah, I mean, like if there's ever, um, you know, if there's ever a game where they say the stats pretty much tell the story, this is that. Uh, this is that game. Sixty six percent possession. I mean, five hundred and forty five is literally almost doubled. Leicester's passes, pass accuracy. You know, and, and there was intensity, right? Even if you look at the number of fouls that we committed, like you said, I didn't see them, but either, but the fact that we committed eight fouls more than Leicester, which means that we showed our press intensity and kind of want to keep getting getting at them and, and kind of not stopping. You know, one yellow card, one offside. I'm actually really surprised it was only one offside. To be fair, Sam Kerr wasn't playing, so there wasn't going to be that many uh, <laughs> offside potential calls. Uh, nine corners, which is great. Um, but yeah, and I, and I like the... Uh, the shot conversion rate in terms of shots, the shots on target, I thought, you know, for 22 shots, having 11 on target, I thought was pretty clinical in that sense. And then to score six goals off that is even better uh, conversion rate. I just felt bad for Leicester just because you know, it's, the, it's the one team I will feel bad for. But otherwise, everything else was super comprehensive for Chelsea. Abdul is a close personal friend of Willie Kirk. Yeah, he's my guy. Know, so. <laughs> he's my guy. But we we love Willie Kirk. He's a lovely, lovely man. Um <laughs> The only thing that's fine is like I think they'll be fine and stay up. Yeah. So I don't mind this loss as long as they stay up. Everything else is fair game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will take a quick ad break here. Thank you so much to our sponsors for supporting the show. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about that goal difference and the way Chelsea played. So Abdullah. This is quite, I do find it quite funny. I think if I was United, I would be pissed right now. Uh, but we're not, thankfully, so we can laugh. Because definitely the the best thing United maybe had going for them was this feeling of like, if Chelsea were to drop points, United were so far ahead, goal difference-wise, that they would kind of be in pole position. You know, if Chelsea was to draw against Arsenal and then they became level on points. That's not the case anymore. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a team make up goal difference like this. And this is also, I guess, a useful lesson to everyone of why you should wait for like games in hand to be played. Because, okay, I definitely didn't expect against Everton, but Leicester, we literally always score this many goals against, basically. We, our other game in hand is against West Ham, who we normally score a lot of goals against. Um, but regardless, it's been... A very impressive displays. I think both times, particularly the first halves, like to get out of the block so quickly to not make it nervous. Um, I mean, obviously, Hayes kind of complained about the start of the Everton game, but she was much more uh, complimentary about the start of this one. Uh, but how important has it been to to get that goal difference? And, and do you think Chelsea were a like aiming for it? Do you think that was like something that specifically they were talking about? Or is it just like a coincidence of playing better? I think I think one goes in hand with the other. I think they I think they definitely had the goal difference in mind because I think I think if they, if they look at it, they know that Arsenal are in better form now than they were a couple of months ago when they played them during that double header you know, time where they played the, the Conti Cup game and then, and then that league game before that, where they won the first one, they lost the second one, you know, in, in pretty convincing fashion. And I, typically those games aren't high-scoring affairs, so they kind of knew that going into these last four or five games, you're going to have maybe three chances against West Ham, Leicester, and maybe not Everton, but like at least two, you know, less than West Ham where you have the chance to score a few goals. And knowing that there's a maybe you know I mean knew there was a very real chance for dropping points against someone and Arsenal probably being the most uh, obvious answer there 
So I, I do think that they had goal difference in mind in terms of, right, if we can put these teams away, let's do it. But I think the 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 byproduct of them playing really, really well, just the goals came with it. Like you playing so well, you're in such good rhythm and form. And I think it also goes to, goes to show that just don't take your foot off the gas. Like when you've scored three or four, that doesn't mean you just stop playing and you concede one and whatever you kind of lax. I think what Chelsea have shown this week more than anything else is that that consistency and just playing um, relentlessly and playing with uh, concentration. I think it's the biggest thing to take away that will probably go into the United game is, like you said, they came out of the blocks early. They've reduced the pressure on themselves. And now, you know, and then for the rest of the game, they didn't let up that concentration. They didn't give up any real big chances. And, um, you know, they, limit, they limited both Everton and, and, and uh, Leicester to practically... You know, no real opportunities, and both goalkeepers did well. Both defenses did well, and again, the fact that there were two rotated-ish teams in terms of the lineups, and they both ended up scoring, you know, six-six goals, and they both ended up um, not conceding any real big chances. I think it's just it's just great to see, and and yeah, now suddenly United are probably feeling the pressure when when they play the league games because they're like, well. You know, Chelsea have practically reduced the huge advantage that we had in the title race to practically a, a differential that they can they can close up with, with the Arsenal and the West Ham game. So, yeah, if I'm, if I'm United, you know, it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a tough one to take now. Yeah, I'm sure United just feel like they have to win both their remaining games, which was they probably. If I'd been in United's position, I don't think I'd have ever been relying on the goal difference thing. Although obviously it helps, and I do think it's also just a big confidence boost I think far more important than the goal difference is just the sense that these have been very impressive performances um, and I think that breeds way more confidence than actually like looking at the table because ultimately Chelsea still kind of need to do what they always needed to do which is win all their remaining games okay now you're like well you could draw one and, and maybe that'll be enough but like the goal difference is tied and there are still games to go um, for, for both teams Uh and I don't think you ever want to go into the Arsenal game. Maybe it relaxes you a bit more, but um, definitely last year, I guess, when we played them at Kings Meadow at a similar time, a bit earlier, uh, I was like, oh, you know, like a draw, like it should be fine. But I think if you're if you're the players, you you still want to, to go for the win. Um, I think the other thing that's been interesting is the way that scoring early allows or makes players feel more comfortable about taking long-range shots. And I think Chelsea have so many players who are very talented at doing that. And we saw both uh, LJ and Chankovic's goals kind of come from players being like, maybe they do it anyway, but like I think feeling really willing to like just let fly because it's like it doesn't matter either way. And I think that's nice. I think that's a very like, freeing feeling uh, for Chelsea. Um, but let's talk about Penilla Harder because obviously she was leading the line. Um, she did this for 60 minutes against Everton. She played not quite that, well, similar amount of time here. She she did come off uh, sensibly. I was like fully like just take her off at half time. Um, but we did get some Neve Charles number nine minutes, which are always my favourite thing to see. Uh, but yeah, Adela, she just feels like she's come back in amazing form. And it's interesting because Erin uh, Cuthbert did some interviews for the FA Cup. And I don't want to show everyone behind the curtain too much, but those interviews took place a couple of weeks ago at this point. And she kind of said in it, like, 
oh, Penilla's been, like, ridiculous in training. And obviously this was, like, before, you know, like, when she was really, like, just coming back into training. It does just feel like she's come back so strong and fresh and ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And you almost feel like she's been... It's like she's just been rested for a couple of games and she's just come back. And I, I think she's benefited from, from this long layoff and this rest. And, you know, and I think Chelsea have probably managed her quite well. And, you know, there's probably reason to believe that you could have played Penilla harder maybe a couple of weeks earlier than when she did really return. But I think that couple of weeks extra bit of rest and training and really getting her into the group. Because now you look at it, she looks like she can go on for 90 minutes for the rest of the season and you probably won't have to take her off at all. That's how fit she looks. And I think... To some extent, I think there is a maybe in her mind a way to to kind of if this is the end, then kind of finish her Chelsea career off with a bang, just to kind of show everybody that she's still around and maybe prove a um, a point to say, look, I still have it. You know, while I was injured, I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose my my genius, and you know, I'm still I'm still there. And I just thought, you know, it's just it almost. Weird. It su- it sucks so much because if she is gonna leave, it's like we, we lose this. This is what we. It's like it's like an example of what we lose, and um, but you know I I thought she was fantastic and that too. By the way, that's that's not let's not forget playing in a position that's not really the one that she would normally be starting in if if that was the case and playing as a as a number nine. Um, you know if Samka was 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 starting in in a regular game so. It's unbelievable, like the whole the whole thing, and 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 it almost reminds me of um, when Jenny Hermoso was playing in that 2020-2021 season as the striker, but would drop in and kind of combine with the midfield. I feel like Hard is just doing that, but for with the Chelsea midfield, and it, it just feels so. Everything just feels naturally really really good, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm glad because if if she can if she can she can do the same thing on, on 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 Sunday, then. We have a we have a good game on our hands. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's very hard to basically have a player come into like incredible form who you've missed all season, and you're like, one, what would we have looked like all season if we'd had her playing? Two, now she's gonna go. I don't know what you tell yourself about that. Mm, hopefully, we get someone as good. Slash, not hopefully, but I'm like, well. The amount of the amount of time she's been able to be fit over three years, maybe the surgery is like what she needed. And she'll she'll stay fit from now on. But equally, like you can still see why you'd feel like you're you're risking it when she did miss six months of the season or whatever. Uh, a player who will be here next year, Abdullah, is Lauren James, who finally scored a goal. Um, what did you make of of LJ's performance? I thought it was an interesting one. I thought there were points which looked great. I thought there were points where I was like, this girl's never going to score a goal again. Uh, the the shot which Harder then taps in, I was like, come on! Uh, but obviously at some point she did chop in and get that like classic LJ shot away. Uh, do you think that's kind of like the the bit of the confidence boost that she needed, the reminder that like she can score goals? Yeah, I think so. I I, th- I thought it was a uh, like you said, I thought it was a bit. It was there was moments of 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 greatness there was moments of of being a bit lax and like you actually gonna get into a position to score and actually score a goal but i think it was a refreshing performance i thought there was a little bit more energy it was a little bit more like she had a her like i remember we talked about this a few weeks ago her body language when she came off in one of the games i for the life of me cannot remember but she came off in the second half of a game and her body language i remember we were talking about it on the whatsapp group like her body language was so off that day 
when she came off, like she just could not be bothered. She was just so like she was done with the, with the game and the day. And today, just look. I mean, yesterday, sorry, it just looked totally, uh, totally different. It looked like she she wanted to be there. She was enjoying it again, and I think she just looked less tired. And I think she's benefited from the rest. And you know, let's not forget. She's still very young. She's never played this many minutes consistently over a season, even when she was at United. Um, and now to kind of be almost like one of the main players with the responsibility and to be playing this minutes and kind of all that together, I think it eventually took a toll. But the rest has done her some good. I thought the goal was... I mean, it was, it was such a good goal that I was also not surprised because it's such a typical Lauren James goal of just like drifting inside taking a quick touch and just like without any real backlift, just shooting it into the corner. So I was like, yeah, it's, that she's back. I mean, if she's doing that again, just with minimal effort, what looks like minimal effort, then uh, you know, you've got a player there. So, I mean, again, another player peaking at the right time again in time for the final and and then and, and obviously the last two, three games of the season before uh, a potential double over the next few weeks. Yeah, and some of her passing I thought was like, amazingly good uh there were some really really nice passes she played and, and it's interesting because if you play everyone's favorite game of going on fb ref and seeing who has the most green lines um lj comes out terribly on like assists and chance creation and i think that kind of matches with her game in some ways it feels like at the moment she's got two modes which is she can cut inside and score the goal like she did against Leicester or she's maybe playing a bit further back and she kind of pings a deeper pass like we saw with the assist for Kerr's goal against United like we saw a couple of times last night I think what we're still missing is that maybe the bit in between the where you're like actually in the area and you're looking to pass or y yeah you are like the final assist or the, or the second assist um so I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops because I think everyone knows that LJ has the ability to go and do what she did last night. Like, no one's doubting that. I guess maybe what's been interesting in this fallow period for her is, okay, so where where does that bit in the middle come from? Where maybe if you aren't hitting the target in the way you normally would, are you looking to create for someone else who, who, maybe, who maybe will? Um, and I think that's what will be interesting to see develop. Um, but kind of moving on from the goals or well not moving on from the goals but like talking more generally around the performance uh rather than specifically just scoring load of goals i think everyone feels like since that barcelona elimination abdullah like we've been watching a different chelsea like we know the liverpool game wasn't a scoreline like this but the the performance in possession against liverpool was equivalent i felt to the everton leicester game it just didn't come with the same finishing skill what do you think has changed here because obviously we had this totally insane month in March whereby the quality of football just disintegrated and we won some games we lost other games we then go on to play Barcelona and understandably we have a very specific tactical uh, approach which is um I guess I will I will affectionately lean into the description of it as terrible. Uh like terror ball, not terrible, but I, some people would say both. Uh I liked it <laughs> in terms of, you know, from an intellectual in inverted commas perspective. I thought it was an interesting and good tactic. So I'm not here to like 
play morality on, on how you win a game. But there's no doubt that this style of football that Chelsea are playing now is a lot more fun to watch and appears to be getting better results. OK, we're playing Leicester, who for large portions of the seasons were going to go down. But, you know, we've also played Everton, who are a team who don't concede a lot of goals normally. Why? Why now? This hasn't come out of nowhere, right? Like, the team's presumably been able to play like this all season. Yeah, I just I just think that um I think I think it comes down to a couple of things. I think for me firstly it's it's like ever since the Barcelona game, it's like Emma's kind of just finally said, We're just going to rely, we're just gonna to stick to one plan and we're just gonna make it work. We're gonna we're gonna be so good at plan A that we're just gonna we've we've practiced it so much and we're just gonna to stick to it. Because I felt like Early in the season, and I think games against that Arsenal game, that that the Conti Cup game that they lost against Arsenal. I mean, she changed the formation that first half like four times, like the back four, back three, four two three one, four three three, and you kind of felt at that point you're like, are you sure you know what your best team and lineup is? Because you can't like I understand adapting, but that's 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 crazy when you change your formation four times in one half, right? And you make like a double sub and and, and things like that. Like I think it's excessive and. You know, you come from then, that was probably in like February, right? And you look at it now, since the Barcelona game, you're like, she's finally kept the same system almost. And Chelsea have finally been able to get into a rhythm regardless of the results. So you look at the Liverpool game that was a little bit tougher than the Everton and Leicester game, but you still see the same style of football. And I think the team is benefiting from finally being able to sit there and go, okay, we know exactly what we have to do in this system. You know whether it's raining, you know, sun is shining, whatever the situation is, we know what we have to do, and we know what we have role we have to play, and we don't have to, you know, think about okay, are we going to play this system this week, or we're playing another system next week, or we're playing this system that week, and I think that's that's been a huge benefit. One, I think the return of players to form and and fatigue, so you 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 finally have Leupold's back into a real good rhythm now, and is looking like getting back to her best sooner rather than later. You have. Fitter Hart, Lauren James that we talked about. Penny the Hart is really back up and running and and, and get in there. Gurrighton's doing Gurrighton things. I feel like Kankovic is really kicking on now. She's finally kicking into some consistent gear. Every game she's been playing the last two, three weeks, I think she's been fantastic. Uh, and we're not seeing the first substitution, Kankovic, off whether it's in the first half or second half anymore, which I think is a testament to Emma Hayes thinking, all right, she's finally settling into that team. And... Um, you know, and I, and I think I think all of these players maybe at different points were, were producing, just nobody was doing it at the same time. And I feel like Chelsea finally are getting all their right players to kick on at the right time, and so that combined with the the steady, um, you know, consistent tactics from from a systematic perspective, I think is really helped the team settle. And you know, and I and I think I think almost the. The combination of this and and the and the biggest result and 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 you know we can see is is how they do against United in this cup final because then we can actually say all right if they if they go ahead and whether they win it one nil or seven one like it doesn't matter because because that just means that they stuck to the way they wanted to play and they performed well and they won the and they got the result that they needed like you said the result's important but it just look it's just like now finally the the style is catching up to the result. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, you know, looking at how Chelsea choose to play against United and Arsenal as the two really big games left this season will be very interesting. I think, you know, I think you're right also to touch on 
the players who are available and their form. I thought it was interesting that last night after the game, Emma specifically referenced that the players were in form. Um, but I also think a big chunk of this is Emma herself because I, I just feel like the Conti Cup final was a big freak out for her in some ways. Um, and that pushed her to revisit some ideas and I think she lost trust in both her own plan and consequently some of the players. I think there's like maybe a bit of confusion. I don't know, maybe there's there's too much psychoanalyzing, but a confusion between, you know, whether players are to blame, whether the tactics were to blame, whether it was a bit of both, which was probably true. And then you're like, well, do I then trust the players to carry out my game plan or was it my own game plan that was wrong? And then maybe the Barcelona, actually the success of that tactic was a reminder of like, okay, these players can follow out exactly what, what I want us to do to to good success. Um, I also think you just can't overlook the return of Leupoltz and Harder, uh, not not just to the squad. And I know like Leupoltz has been back since that Conti Cup final, but and her performances have been good, but I think you're still seeing her relax into a, a team that has changed a lot. Um, and I think you're also right that we're seeing kind of only just seeing the best of the new signings. I mean, you mentioned Chankovic, but like Eve Perisic feels equally like she's taken some big jumps forward uh, recently. Canarid, even if, bless her, she still cannot score. Um, I still think she's offering a lot more when she does come off the bench or when she plays than than she was earlier on in the season. And Hayes is often quite cautious around new signings anyway. So I think there are a lot of factors going in, but it will be a big test of this newfound confidence of nice play, in inverted commas, uh, against United, who who are a team as well who who we know have struggled when Chelsea are playing at their fluid best. You know, in some ways, the the win at King's Meadow this season is probably like one of the worst games I've ever seen Chelsea play against United. Uh, again, it was a specific tactic and it worked, mainly because United was stupid, I think, than because the tactic was amazing. Um, but it will definitely be interesting to see. Uh, I think one element that uh, of the, the game plan, Abdullah, that I'd like to talk about um, is specifically the relationship with, with Leupoltz and Cuthbert, because I feel like when we're talking about nice football, what most people mean is possession-based football rather than kicking long. Um, and when you're talking about possession-based football, you're in reality talking about how being able to progress the ball up the field by basically passing through different zones. So obviously your midfield makeup is incredibly key to that. From my perspective, it definitely feels like Leupoltz's return has relaxed Cuthbert in some ways. I think it's interesting we've seen her score twice in these games from like going forward and pressing from the front, which you wouldn't expect like the player from the kind of double pivot to go and do, winning the ball back and then going through on goal. Um, what have you made of, of that relationship together? Because it's an interesting one, right? Like, Lopez has been out for a long time. Aaron Cuthbert's kind of only come into this midfield role this season. That's like a new thing for those two to be playing together like that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think, I think, but I think that's a testament down to, I, want, I don't know how, I'm trying to think of how to word this without making it sound worse than it is, but I'm like, I think it comes down to Loy testament to Leupold's intelligence to play the position really, really well and know it better than Aaron Cuthbert. Because I think I take I, I think I take your point. I agree with you that it's it's calmed Aaron Cuthbert down because she now has the security to know that she has 
a player who's a very natural six, eight, to who's behind her and who knows how to cover the space intelligently. So Leupold's is someone who knows where the space is, what she needs to do, where she needs to be, in whether it's in a transition period, defensively or or, or attack or attacking wise, and she's probably just given Erin the freedom through just constant communication, be like, press up, go, I'll cover you, I'll cover you. And I think that relationship building over the season when they have played has probably built a lot of trust between them. And so now when Aaron Cuthbert hears, go, press, I'll cover, Aaron doesn't even have to think about it. It's why she just goes. And I think that that press, that, that goal that she got where she pressed, I think was just a testament to it. And I think that's, where you get the best Erin Cuthbert, when you let her be free to play this very aggressive attacking, pressing, whether it's a number six role or a number eight role, you can you can kind of interchange that, or even a number 10, we've seen her do that against Barcelona, uh, Leon or Barcelona, right? Where as long as you give her the protection around her as this pressing as this pressing midfielder, I think she she will she will always thrive in there. And I just think she needed the right partner. And Maybe Sophie Ingle is the is the is is a similar in the sense where she's very good defensively in terms of her movement and, and, and positioning, but I think Sophie Ingle is maybe a little bit less mobile than Leupold's. Leupold's is a little bit more mobile. She puts in a little bit more. She can cover ground a little bit better, which I think then just gives Aaron Cuthbert even more reason license to say, all right, if I am gonna go, I'll let me go and push the let me go push the number ten, the number six alongside Kankovic or whoever's playing as the ten for Chelsea, and suddenly Chelsea have four or five players pressing up front in, in a in a combined way rather than just the four. And then you have the you have Leupels there who knows how to cover and, and I and I think the biggest thing is and, and maybe I've not seen evidence of this yet, and obviously we can't pick up the mics too much, but I'm pretty sure Leupels is coaching Aaron Cuthbert in there. She's she's telling her when to press, when not to press, kind of holding her line and kind of maybe telling her when she needs to go. And I think because I think that becomes a huge, huge uh part of, of of any partnership, whether it's the center backs together, whether it's strike duo together, or whether it's the central midfield pivot together. I mean, not like this example has anything to do with anything. It has no relevance to it. But like when even when I used to play in school, and me and one of my best mates we used to play center back together. We we're both left footed. But he used to be the one to just guide me and say, all right, you push now, come back, we go. And we ended up playing really well just because when you have someone who you really trust to give you the calls and go, you blindly just listen to them and you you most of the time it's right. And even if it's wrong, you're just like, all right, fine, whatever, we recover, we go. And that once you develop that relationship, the the lag time between thinking about the decision and making it and actually doing it becomes so little that it becomes like clockwork and you understand each other's positioning and everything. And I th- I really feel like between Leupold's and Cuthbert, that's what we're starting to see. And I'm excited for next season if this ends up being the the, the number one pairing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's something really, you know, I know there's kind of uncertainty, I guess, in, in the defence and in forward line about what exactly that will look like next season. But I think um, it's been great to see uh, those two play together. And it's also credit to Chelsea's staff that Melanie Leupoltz has, has come back from having a baby and just looked so good and, and so fit. I, it's the same as Harder, right? I just, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation around... Um, medical teams in in the WSL and women's football uh more generally but I I feel like it how lots of Chelsea's players have come back from from injury or or time out of the game it obviously in Lloyd Potts's case has been 
really impressive to see and and is heartening definitely um okay let's just wrap up this game abdullah with a quick player of the match uh we didn't do a twitter poll because our social media guru ishan was getting on a plane so listener you can tell me yours out loud now i won't hear it but you know here's your space to say you wanted to be player of the match Abdullah, who did you want to be your player of the match? I definitely wanted to pick that one. You know, that was a great pick from the listeners there. You know, I, I, could, I couldn't have picked a better one myself. You took the words out of my mouth, I listener. know, right? This is amazing. Uh, I will give it to... I'll give it to Erin. I think I thought she was she was fantastic alongside uh, Leupold's and and you know it's just it's just been a, a testament to that to the way she's been playing that position all season. So yeah, I'll give it to Erin Casper. Yeah, that's fair enough. I will give it to her midfield partner then, Melanie Leupoltz. I think she misplaced like four passes all game. And I know it was only Leicester, but I thought she was great. Um, and I'm very, very into it. Okay, let's take another ad break here then. And when we come back, we will look ahead to Sunday. All right, off to Wembley on Sunday we are, or I am and the Chelsea team, um, I don't think Abdullah is, but that would be a great surprise if you were going to show up. I'd love that for you. Yeah, um, I'd love that. <laughs> the weather says it will be sunny, but I know it will rain because Women's FA Cup finals are like literally allergic to having good weather. We are playing United. Um, this is a game which I, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who listens to my other podcast, Counterpressed, um, we actually pre-recorded that episode. Probably shouldn't say this, but uh, I'm going to say this. Um, and so I didn't know what happened in the Leicester game, so I just had to pretend. Uh, but I found it really hard to talk about this game. I don't know whether it's just because it's like one of those matches. This is one of the games which is like my least favourite type of big game, where you're like, not only would I be upset if we lost, I think it would be embarrassing if we lost. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, United have never beaten us before. To lose the FA Cup final to them would be atrocious. Yes. I, so do you, would you feel like this was more? This would be more atrocious or the game that we lost against Arsenal in the Conti Cup final would be worse? Mm, I didn't like that one, but I hold Arsenal in higher respect, I think, than I do United. Well, no, it's not that I don't respect United. That's, like, wrong. And I feel like I, I've preferred... Have I preferred United to Arsenal this season? At different points, I've preferred them at different points at different times. Um, I think Arsenal look better right now. Uh, there's just this sense of like it being we've lost to Arsenal before. Yeah. So it hurt, and the manner we lost was embarrassing. But there was a sense of like, okay, Arsenal are a good team. You always expected them to come back and win a trophy, even if, as Emma said, it'd been for ages. Whereas. This will be United. This will be United's first ever trophy, their first ever win over us, and like it, it would feel etched into my mind forever. True, true. And then you had you'd have United fans saying that the first trophy they ever won on the women's team was by beating Chelsea, and then that never goes away. It's always there. So I feel like let somebody else take that fall. That's 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 fine. So I don't know. Fair enough. I agree. I think, and, and I thought to be fair, I think that Arsenal game Chelsea deserved it with the way they play. So you can you can you would you need justify but like just bad so no yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think this game is um, and it's more nerve wracking just that way I mean I don't know about the players for us it's just more like every 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 attack and everything will just be and the thing is and I guess that comes down to the fact that United have actually become a pretty decent team I mean, at the top of the league for a reason they've been pretty consistent this year their, their, their progression over the last couple of years I think has been 
phenomenal for, since when they got promoted in their first season, you know, uh, you know, since the re- the reform and you know, they've they've slowly amassed a very very good team. I mean, I feel like to me my Letizia was like an absolutely amazing pickup last summer, which I think went under a lot of teams' noses. I think it was like everyone whenever when she got signed, it was like we knew she was there. But then, okay, United got her, and now you're like, wow, like, okay, she's... Uh... I don't think anyone thought she would adjust to the step up from Brighton yeah. as successfully as she had. And that's who at centre-back, right? Not even at full-back. Yeah. Like, in a completely different position, which is which is the even more bigger surprise. And um, I, felt like, I felt like some of their business has been good, and I, yeah, I guess it's just a testament to United to say, right, you guys have really stepped up, and, and there's a very real chance that they could win the double, or they could win nothing, or they could win one of the two. And it's basically between, you want to say, Chelsea and United to win the double or nothing or one each. So uh, I think for them to be able to put themselves in this position, position, I think is great. But listen, Chelsea have been here, done that so many times that uh, you know, you'd have to give them the slight advantage just on experience alone. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that experience basically extends to winning the last two um, and winning all but one game we've ever played against United, which was then a draw. I will say that even though, obviously, we've never lost to them, it doesn't mean they haven't caused us issues in the past. There have been some nervy moments. We've relied on some very good goals at points to sort of get us through these games. Where do you see United being able to hurt us? It's a very good question. I, I definitely think it comes down to the wings. Uh, I think Leah Goldson's been one of their best players of the season. She's been such a fantastic player up on that left side. And and, and I think Eve Perisay has struggled against tricky wingers and, and ones that can come in and out. And I think I think that'll be another tough matchup for Eve. But obviously last couple of games she's she's really stepped up and looked good. So I think that'll be an interesting battle. On the other side, depending on whether it's Nikita Paris or Lucia Garcia. Uh, I think will be another interesting test as well. But you know, again, Neve Charles has stepped up. So I think I think on both sides, I think it's interesting. Ella Tunes always always a always a dangerous proposition. So I think the Aaron Cuthbert Leupold's double pivot will really need to be on their game. And I can I can see Aaron versus Ella Tune as as the key battle in midfield. As you know, can the six stop the ten? And um, you know, lastly, I think I think um, at the centre back, I think my Leticia we talked about. I think she up against Samco and or Panela Harder, I think will be a very interesting battle for 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 the striker because I think her positioning I think has been getting better, and I feel like she's while she is the playmaker of the two centre backs with Millie Turner. In, in, in playing out from the back, I feel like her positioning she's got a little bit of pace about her and. Considering she's she's also a fullback, she's got the traits that she can bring from a one v one position and and knowing where to show where to show the strike and kind of you know playing the offside trap and playing a little bit higher I think comes in handy. So yeah, I think I think I think those those three battles for me are probably key in terms of where this game can go. Yeah, I definitely feel like Galton's the Galton's the player who's who's really really stood out for me, especially in this latter part of the season. I think. Yeah. Early on in the season, it felt like we were on normal, like on a Batia is amazing territory, uh, which still applies, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. But definitely Goldson's been the one who I felt has kind of hauled them through some of their, their trickier games recently or games where they've struggled. Um, 
I feel like our biggest advantage, or the, at least this is the conclusion I came to earlier in the week when I was thinking about how we might play, is that I know exactly how United will line up. Um, everyone knows. Like, the one question is maybe Lucia Garcia starts ahead of Nikita Paris, but I don't think it will happen. I think Paris will start, which I think is silly. I would personally play Garcia, but whatever. Whereas how we start, how we line up, especially in terms of harder coming back into the team feels a lot more of an open question, not only in terms of personnel, but also in terms of formation. Um, I think harder being back is massive just because that woman causes United so much anxiety. And I can't even blame them because of like what she's done to them in the past. Um, I've never seen a player like so successfully just gallop through the same defence like time and time again. Um, but I... I'm still not really sure about whether you play Harder and Kerr together in a two, for example, or whether you play Harder on the right, or whether you put Harder as the 10 and start Lauren James. Um, it's an advantage, I definitely think, because there will be a game plan. But Abdullah, what would you be doing in terms of how Chelsea should potentially line up for this one? Oh, it's... Such an interesting question. Um, Sam Kerr's your big game player. Right? Sam Kerr's you play, you play in the final. She comes in, she, she does her thing, and, 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 and she, she wins you games. And, you know, if we go back to about a year or so ago, that 3-0 win against Arsenal in the FA Cup, which was the previous season's FA Cup that was finals played in the COVID one that was put later, and they won 3-0, you know, that year we were playing Sam Kerr, Panilla Harder and Frank Kirby in one team and the team was ruthless. And I feel like you could play Kerr and Harder maybe as the 10 and a 9, but almost let Harder become another 9 as well and almost play like a 4-2-4 almost and then let Harder just play the free role of dropping into midfield and kind of doing whatever she needs to do and let um, Sam Kerr play on the, on the shoulders and let her run past. I would not be opposed to letting those two get together uh, in this big game and let them do it because if, if there's anything that you can you can get from those two is that winning mentality and that big game presence where if one doesn't work the other one will step up and the other one will play for you. and I think it was one thing we've seen from from both of them I think they're willing to sacrifice to let the other one to some extent thrive if they see the other one thriving They'll they'll drop and they'll say all right fine if you're the one taking the mantle you're taking you're taking the game by the scuff of the neck I'll I'll support you and and vice versa I don't really see I mean you'd have to do that if you're playing Kirby Kerr and Harden and, and they did that for one season where you know we talked about it so much at that time right it was each game one or the other was stepping up if you know and sometimes you'd have two sometimes you'd have all three but if one was doing well the other two would almost subside into a supporting role whether it was Kirby doing it Kerr doing it or Harder doing it. And there's a part of me that wants to play the two of them. But maybe realistically, it depends on Sam Kerr's fitness. I would not mind starting. I, I think maybe realistically, we'll see Kankovic and Harder start again together. Because I thought that combination on the weekend was really good. And it's an interesting combination because both are similar yet different players in profile. And both can do the same and different things at the same time. And I feel like... That is a very interesting combination and very unpredictable for United to, and they would never have faced that combination before. Maybe there'd be enough footage and there'd be enough 
games where they would have played against Pinilla Harder and Sam Kerr together. But Kankovic and, and Harder, something new. And I feel like that's a potential partnership that's just waiting to boom. And, you know, we could see a flurry of goals on Sunday if those would start. So if, I, if I'm going to go, I think I will go Harder, Kankovic. And, and just because of a question mark on Sans Fitness. And like you said, you didn't see her warm up all game. So is that a sign? Or is that a sign to just say, all right, we just save her for that game and, and we'll bring her on if we need to? It's a sign that I should watch warm-ups rather than go to the bar, <laughs> is all I can conclude from that. From that. Um, yeah, I know. I, I think it would definitely be interesting. I feel like it, it's tough because of the Arsenal game. Um, there's an element of, I'm like, if Sam's even half fit, you have to start her because Wembley. But... Harder has looked good up front. Like, I like her there. I think she's very front-footed. So is Sam, obviously. But definitely when we've got the most draw against United, it's come from pressing them into errors. Uh, I feel like almost every one of that United back line, other than Honor, maybe, has made, like, a goal-conceding error against Chelsea before. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens, because I guess... This will be, if they do start together, it will be the first time Kerr and Harder have played together for a million years. Um, what do you think about playing LJ? Yay or nay? I don't think you can start all three. Personally, if I, ha- yeah. if I really had to go, I don't think you can start all oh, three. I think you can, but I don't yeah, I mean, think... Yeah, you see, you're, no, you're right. Okay, let me rephrase I don't it. think I would. Yeah, <laughs> you can, but I don't think this is the game for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, uh, I agree. Like Everton, Leicester, Villa, like those games, sure. You can start all three and then you, you basically have the trio playing where you know you're going to very likely dominate possession. You can afford the transition game and you know, you've know you got the players to defend that. But in this sort of game, this sort of intensity, the form that United are in, the players that they have, the quality of players that they have, I just don't think you can afford to play three of them because you're going to need, not that they've not gone to work, they will run and they will press, but you just need someone to cover that extra little bit of ground, that extra little bit of press. And, you know, someone like Johanna Ritten Canarid, you know, maybe starting on one side. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to starting Canarid on one side, Brighton on the other, or even, you know, even, even, I mean, Kankovic works hard as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, but yeah, I think, I think, you need and you in in a way you almost want one of them to come off the bench as an option to 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 give against tired legs right you maybe don't maybe you could start all three and maybe maybe it will work perfectly but you might well just want to have one in reserve right because they're three they're three of your star players and and you know if 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 the opposition knows that oh god okay it's harder and Kerr starting but then Chelsea can bring on Kankovic and Lauren James as a double sub in the fifty fifth minute then that's scary, right? And then you 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 go and then she can change the game from there and we know what she can do. So um yeah, I think I think both from a surprise element perspective and I think tactically I think you just need a little bit of extra bit of legs in there, which I don't think from a from a defensive perspective that I don't think LJ gives you. Um I, I think for that reason alone is I would start two of the three, but not all three. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um the only thing that like the thing that was like putting me off LJ wasn't so much tactical thing as like a level of performance thing. And I thought she was good against Leicester, but I'm not gonna take it as like on trust compared to some of her recent performances. But the only like doubt at the back of my mind was 
I definitely think we've seen the best of LJ against United. And I feel like she does feel like a bit of a, not chip on her shoulder, because it's not like they wanted her, like, it's not like they wanted her out. They wanted her to stay. But I think she likes playing against them as a team. Um, and that would be interesting. I also don't know, like, this is again my question mark, is I feel like when she comes off the bench, she's not very good at impacting games. So to that extent, I'm like, do you start her and say, like, fuck it if she's not impacting the game? Like, we're prepared with a second game plan. Because every time she's come off the bench before, it's been a bit like, meh. So then I'm like, well, there's no point having her as an impact sub if she's if you don't think she's going to make an impact. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder if we'll see... Wrighton, Kerr, James, Harder as the front four, which I'm not mad about. Like, it's obviously very talented. I just think everyone needs to play to their level. And maybe, again, the thing is, is like LJ in those really big games, she hasn't had one of those moments yet. And it's going to be a really big game. It's going to be, like, noisy. Although she was very good against Brazil, the finalist, and that was a sold-out Wembley. So who knows? Everyone... Just manifest a great LJ performance because I'm sure we'll see it at some point, whether it's uh, off the bench or starting. All right. Um, the, let's just do some quick other news before we wrap up today. Uh, Arsenal won 4 0 Brighton. That was the other game yesterday. Uh, bless my dad. He texted me. He's an Arsenal fan. Being like, we're scoring almost as fast as you. And I was like, yes, but I don't really care because you're in third. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's true. They did score goals. Um, so currently the table looks like United in first still. Goal difference of 42, 50 points. Us behind, same goal difference. 49 points with that game in hand. Arsenal five points back from us. 34 goal difference. Also with the game in hand. City looking pretty stuck in fourth right now. I'm not sure if we will see that change. Um, two other bits of news. Let's start with... Should we start with Penelope Magda? Let's start with Penelope Magda. Um, obviously, Amanda Zaza uh, breaking this story that it looks like they've sewn up a deal with Bayern Munich, uh, which I, of all the clubs they've been linked to, I probably like the most. Um, this isn't really a surprise, Abdullah and... We have quite famously spoken about this uh, before. I think if you want to find uh, thoughts, you can go back and listen to one of our mailbag episodes um, or look on Twitter uh, because people dragged us, but I stand by what I said. Um, obviously, it's gutting. We've kind of like hinted at it all through this episode. How did you feel when the news kind of came out, given that we sort of knew? Because I felt like... Uh, it's real. But then I was also like, but I I've kind of feel like I've already moved on emotionally. Yeah, you're right. Because I think we've been hearing, you know, snippets of this kind of from beginning of the season, you know, 12 months to go, will they sign? Will they not sign? And the minute you start hearing the constant will they, won't they? And then at one point, yeah, they, they won't. And then, you know, yeah, they will. And the contrasting news kind of coming out from the club and then from the from the player side as well i felt like at that point you're like if you're dilly dally i mean if there's so much dilly dally between both parties then you know that it's very likely to end up in one way and i think once we started getting the rumors of real madrid leon and all that coming a bit more alive just after the january window at that point you're like i think the mailbag was probably the, the place where we just kind of maybe i think i accepted it mentally that it's, it's gonna happen and like you said like the news came out i was like I was sad, but at the same time, I was like, well, we knew this. So it's just now more of the confirmation 
in, in, that we needed more than anything else. And yeah, I, like you said, I, I actually really like the Bayern move um, more than anything else. And I feel like that's something that, that it kind of intrigues me in terms of, in terms of how they do it. And then just, and well, from a, from, from a fan perspective, holistically, I think it makes the Champions League a lot more interesting next season, just because there's another team now that's going to be really, really good with two excellent players going to them. But it also makes it a whole lot harder to win the Champions League next season for whoever you are, right? Because you are adding two world-class players, both in defense and attack. And for someone like Bayern Munich to get players like this to combine with what they have, and like Elias Schuller or, or Sidney Lohmann or, 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 and, uh, you know, and, and whatnot, Lina Magul, is is interesting to see. And I want to see how they do tactically. And you know, do we see the best of the both of them going forward? I don't know. But uh, yeah. I think I think I've moved on, and now I'm just looking forward to who Chelsea get to replace them. And if we're going by rumors, then I'm low key excited. Yeah, we have been linked to Kat Macario, which I think is about as perfect a Pinola Harder replacement as you could find in world football right now. In terms of uh, someone who's extremely talented, can play as a ten or as a nine if you need her to. Um, several, several years younger than than Penilla, um, already shown she can be hugely influential in the biggest games, is coming back from an ACL injury, but wouldn't it be fitting to replace Penilla with a player who might also be incredibly injury-prone? Uh, that way we could have the same vibes where they miss half the season and then come back and look good at the end of it. Uh, for Magda and Penilla, obviously this is just like an amazing opportunity to get out on high, I think. Um, despite the kind of weirdness of this whole season around it, they are obviously both consummate professionals, and I think you know, Magda especially, um, she really loves the club and she's had an amazing time at the club and she can make history on Sunday as the first captain to win uh, and lift three consecutive FA Cups. Uh, so here's hoping they both go out on a great high, e.g. thrashing United to both the FA Cup and the league title. Um, in equally sad news, of a slightly different note, uh, Georgia Fox has suffered an ACL injury uh, so going back to us for treatment, she'd obviously be on loan with Brighton. Um, she'd had a really good season, I think, Abdullah. Like, maybe it's gone under the radar a bit because Brighton have been pretty shitty. Uh, but she's consistently been one of their better performers, in my opinion, uh, especially in the defence that has regularly looked like it's been kind of set on fire, slash they've never met, never met each other before. Um, this sucks, right? Because I think Georgia was a player who... I feel like personally I was like, mm, she should probably go out on loan again, but there was definitely would maybe have been an option, right, for, for the club to look at her in pre-season and think about whether there was room in the squad for her. Obviously, a homegrown player as well, which is a, a big advantage uh, in that sense. And uh, now we won't get to see her for a year. Yeah, it's incredibly sad. And, and, I, and I actually do think that there would have been space because if you look at the way Chelsea have been setting up, especially at left back, I mean, at right back, you pretty much know that once Eve Perisse settles in and becomes uh, a core, I mean, like not she isn't, but once she's settled, settled in, you know that for the most part, she's starting at right back. Pretty much every game is just starting at right back, right? But I feel like on the left, it's been a rotation between Jess Carter and Neve Charles, and obviously Neve Charles is the one that's that's winning that battle, at least on the left hand side, and Jess Carter's playing elsewhere. But there would have been this there would have been this thing where you go, All right, do we need to go and buy somebody else? Because you have got Eve and Jess for the right, Neve and Georgia for the left, and you just go in with those four fullbacks and there would have been enough game time for all four of them to play, considering the injuries and the amount of games and just 
general rotation when you have two players per position. So I do think that that would have been that would have been a very interesting um, interesting move, and I think it would have been you know after this this loan and the previous loans, it would have been nice to see Georgia come in and finally get a taste of the way Chelsea play and get and 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 kind of test the waters right and see. Is she doing well? Is she not doing well? And if she isn't, send her on loan in January. Maybe you line up somebody else to play. And then you can kind of go back to the way you were running it this season, right? Where you have the three, four players that you have already in in Neve, Jess, and and Eve to 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 run the two fullback positions and then let Georgia go on loan in January if if it didn't go well to plan. But I guess now it's um it's unfortunate. And if we're again back to the links that we're seeing in 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 the last day or two, then um I guess now that that link makes a lot more sense because of this injury. And if we do get said player in Ashley Lawrence to come on a free, then um, it's tough to see how, you know, Georgia comes back not anywhere near two to maybe even three years from now, which is, it's a tough sell and it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And, and let's hope she recovers quickly and, and, and gets a really good... Uh, if it is going to be a lone move when she comes back and gets back to her best. Yeah, definitely. Um, still a very young player, yet to turn 20. Uh, so plenty of room for her to develop. Um, and if Bayern Munich take our club captain record signing and Ashley Lawrence from us this summer, I will be pissed off. All right. FA Cup final is on Sunday, 2.30 kickoff UK time. Then we are off to West Ham midweek at the frankly stupid time at 815 Never known a football match to kick off so late. Why does it have to kick off so late? Uh, then it's Arsenal at Kings Meadow, our final home game of the season there. 12.30 kickoff for that one on Sunday, 21st of May. Before we head to the select car leasing on the final day of the season to replace Reading, I have come up with the perfect end of season scenario for us all. Here it is. We beat West Ham and Arsenal and United drop points to City thus handing us the league with a game to go. Reading beats Spurs, and then Spurs don't do anything against West Ham. Okay, that's probably like one of the most impossible bits of this scenario. But that means we could throw our last game against Reading and send Spurs down. I hope you followed that, um, the logic, but I'm excited for it. It would be amusing, apart from for Beth England. So sorry, Beth England. I still love you, but it would be funny if your team went down. Um, all right. Abdullah and I will be back on Monday to chat through a hopefully victorious Chelsea win, maybe. Um, I hope it's a good game. I hope it's a good game. Uh, But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.